Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Today, in celebration of Earth Day 2019, we'll be hearing two stories from City High Radio, a youth radio program run by teacher Sarah Bromer at City High School in downtown Tucson. This first story is by City High senior Paloma Martinez, and it features the voices of Sharon Magdal, a professor at the University of Arizona and the director of the University of Arizona Water Resources Research Center. Joaquin Marietta Salvador, a cultural ecologist for Tucson Watershed Management. Ian Pepper, the director of the Water and Energy Sustainable Technology Center. And James McAdam, a supervisor at Tucson Water. Paloma's story is called A Crisis in the Desert. Here's Paloma. I live in Tucson, where summers are beginning to reach 118 degrees and the saguaro cacti are 45 feet tall. You'd never imagine that there used to be a river that flowed right through the middle of town. There were watermelons growing on the banks and people used to have boat parties and picnics under gigantic trees, but the river is dry now. I live less than a block from the Santa Cruz River Wash. All it is now is miles and miles of sand and trash. I hear there might be a global water crisis coming soon. And I hear about cities like Cape Town running out of water, and I look at my city, and I feel afraid. My mom is worried too. You know, being a homeowner and stuff, it makes me consider if I want to even live here or if I should sell it now before, you know, the word gets out that there's going to be no water left and then everyone abandons. Like, I envision this ghost town. My teachers are also worried. Do you ever worry about Tucson running out of water? Yes, all the time. Yeah, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. I worry about Tucson running out of water every single day. I wanted to know if we were right to be so worried about water security. So I hunted down some experts. My name is Sharon Megdell. I'm director of the Water Resources Research Center at the University of Arizona. And I do not see Tucson running out of water in the near future. Her answer surprised me. And then I asked a cultural ecologist. Uh, My name is Joaquin, Joaquin Murrieta Saldivar. Do we have a water crisis? Not really. I also checked in with the director of Tucson's Water, Energy, and Sustainable Technology Center. My name is Ian Pepper, so I'm your very own Dr. Pepper. Uh, At the moment, Tucson has more water than they know what to do with. Just to be sure, I asked a superintendent at Tucson Water. I'm James McAdam. Can you see Tucson running out of water for any reason in the near future? No. It doesn't keep you up at night ever? No, no, it really doesn't. Okay, so if there's no crisis, why is our river dry? I think the simplest reason why it stopped flowing is that too much water was pumped out of the ground. And so rivers are connected to the ground below it? They explained to me that Tucson is built on a giant aquifer, which is like a big underground reservoir of water. We dug wells and pumped up the water, and as the population grew, they had to dig deeper and deeper. We were the largest city in the country that relied totally on groundwater. But if you start pumping that groundwater and you pump it a lot, 
then that tends to take the water from under the river, and the river doesn't flow anymore. Okay, so I get why the river's not running, but why aren't they worried about running out of water? About 80% of the water that we serve to customers is Colorado River water. I'm embarrassed to admit that I had no idea that since the early 90s, the Central Arizona Project, also known as CAP, has been our main source of water. It's a concrete uh, canal. It's probably the width of like, I don't know, two or three lanes of traffic. It is just, you know, like beige concrete. We divert water from the river and it travels through the desert for 336 miles to Tucson, uphill. We're about 3,000 feet higher than Lake Havasu where the water comes in. And so to get it here, you, you have to lift it. And so they have this series of big pumping stations. 40% of the electricity we use in Arizona is to move water, just to move water. So I'm opening the tap in my house. That water is full of energy. <laughs> and where does that energy come from? Historically, the Central Arizona Project was relying on power from the Navajo Generating Station. That is a coal-fired plant. Okay, so we get this Colorado River water that uses a ton of energy, but does that really make us secure? Do you think that it makes some people feel insecure that we get our water from so far away? Yeah, I think it does. I think people feel this, you know, a visceral kind of insecurity Like, you know, something could happen on the Colorado River, and then what do we do? But that Colorado River water also buys us a lot of flexibility because our customers use about 90,000 acre feet a year, and we get about 144,000 acre feet. So we get more water than we need, and all the extra, we sink it into the ground, and it's kind of like a savings account of water. In other words, storing water underground for a rainy day, or perhaps I should say when there isn't a rainy day. And the aquifer is actually rising again under Tucson. We are really in a really, really, really good position, um, especially compared to a lot of other cities in the West and in the East. Um, Because, you know, if, if the CAP were to shut off today, we could pump groundwater for decades and survive without doing anything. Dang. That is pretty reassuring, but I don't understand if our population is growing, how do we have all this extra water we can afford to bank? Since the mid-80s, we've added 200,000 people to our service area, and we're using the same amount of potable water. Wait, wait, wait. How is that possible? A huge amount of that is we use less water per person. No, our water use has leveled off and is declining, as even though our numbers and our economy is bigger. He explained to me that we use a lot of reclaimed water, and he said that we've taken out a lot of our lawns and planted more native trees. Ten years ago, each of us Tucsonians were using 95 gallons per person a day. Uh, now, we're using 80 gallons per person a day. So we are diminishing our water needs. And and these are things we don't see in other cities, for example. I was just in Phoenix last week, where the average uh, use is uh, between 125 to 130 gallons per person a day. Uh, In my home, I'm at 56 gallons. How do you do do that? (laughs) How do we, of course, I don't take a shower. Um, (laughs) 
No, 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 we do. Um, I have an outdoor shower and I can take a shower outside. Oh, nobody sees me. <laughs> and that water goes into my plants. We have a very uh, responsible culture of conservation here in Tucson. Tucson Water for decades had this like really aggressive campaign of conserving water. If you meet anybody over 35 years old in Tucson, they know who Pete the Beak is. And Pete the Beak was this, have you heard of Pete the Beak? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, there's old videos. Anyway, it was this really successful campaign they did to like get people to reduce their water use during the summer. And then that grew into this like conserve water all year round campaign. You know, sort of how you judge how you compare to other cities is gallons per capita per day. And by that measure, we are, you know, national leaders. So if we are national leaders, does that mean I can stop feeling guilty about taking a shower? You say we have more water than we know what to do with. Does that mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry? No, when you live in a desert, you should always worry. Um, what I'm really saying is, for the moment, we are okay. People don't have to worry about the utility running out of water and not having water to provide them. But I'd never said you don't need to be a good water steward, right? You need to be conscientious and conscious of the water you use and be a good steward, and that means you don't waste it. I think of that sometimes in my own home when my husband does the dishes, and it's like you've got that water on too strong. You don't need such a pressure. It's, it's wasting water. And when you think about the showers that you take, you know, do they have to be as long as they are? Do people daydream? I don't know. I don't think you should worry about it. I think you should enjoy it and appreciate it. I, that I think more than worry about it, I think uh, what I w wish I could do for everyone is for them to see what is involved in getting their water to them. Um, from an environmental standpoint, first of all, we have to take it from the Colorado River, and we are part of a system that has depleted the um, this whole delta area of the go of the Colorado River going into the Gulf of California that was one of the largest wetlands in the world um, and is now sort of a remnant of its former self and then even just what is involved in the water coming in at Lake Havasu being pumped uphill if you knew what was involved in getting the water to your house you don't have to think about like oh I should turn my water off when I'm brushing my teeth. You just do because you know. It was shocking to me when I learned that the Colorado River doesn't reach the sea anymore. And I had no idea that the rivers Delta and Mexico had dried up. It was a huge ecosystem and now all of these plants and animals have died all because of us. Do you think we need to worry about that stuff more here? Or do you think Water conservation and appreciation is for everybody. Oh, it's definitely for everybody uh, because, um, you know, just having water around does not mean you have water to drink and to live off of. You know, look at Flint, Michigan, 
look at, um, well, everywhere. Crisis can be inadequate water, impure, unclean water. It can also mean too much water, flooding, failure of dams, things like that. They seem so sure. Like, we've got all this water, and they know it's not without a cost, and we should keep trying to conserve, but I couldn't help but feeling a little bit nervous. Couldn't climate change change everything? What about climate change? Does that keep you up at night? Yeah. Yeah, I think because it's it's so uh, unpredictable, things hit tipping points, and then they change really dramatically, really quickly. Um, with climate change, you don't really know what's going to happen 20, 30 years from now. I mean, the earth is sick. It's like your head is hurting. And if it hurts more, you have to do something because you're getting sick. Well, nature is telling us that. The planet is telling us that. Hey, I'm heating up. I'm sending you a sign. I think we're pretty secure, but that doesn't mean everything's foolproof. I mean, you can never, you know, you should never say never. Well, you can't always guarantee things. You can easily fall out of that sustainable situation. Um, did scientists 50 years ago worry about water, and is that why we are okay today? Is it our worry about the water now that is going to make us okay for the future? Yes and yes. If, if we all use the same amount of water now per person that we did in the 80s, we wouldn't be banking any water. We wouldn't have any flexibility. We would just be all maxed out, and we would be in a water crisis. Um, and so you can make an argument about the planning that was done for CAP in sort of enabling us to be here. But here we are, and if we want to stay here, uh, yes, we are going to need to continue to plan and invest and spend money now on things that won't yield results for decades. He brought up a point I hadn't thought about. I think if we have good government and professional planning, like a lot of people like to bag on planning, like, oh, it's just sort of this wonky thing. Well, planning is the difference between us and uh, Cape Town. That is what is the difference between a crisis and, and not. The real risk is uh, socio-political. It's not resource. And, and that is what keeps me up at night. The rise of autocratic regimes and civic unrest, those are the real risks to things like sustainable water supply and energy um, in the future. I wanted to know what they thought I should tell my mom. My mom thinks Tucson might become a ghost town soon. Um, and she's not sure she should stay here. What do you think about that? I, I used to think that way, um, and the more that I've learned about not only the water situation, but just the rest of the world, um, I, don't, I wouldn't advise that. Uh, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Uh, everywhere on Earth that we have issues with resources with crises like flooding like contamination like um earthquakes you know risk is part of being a human being this idea that tucson is going to dry up and blow away is just completely false and i can tell you if we ended up in a situation where that was going to happen we would you would also be seeing 
the largest cities in the Western United States in the same, if not worse, situation. Phoenix, Las Vegas, Denver, um, Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco. If you saw something of that scale and magnitude happening in Tucson, you'd better believe that there is a real problem in in our country and in our world. Uh, That's what I think. I don't ever want to leave Tucson. And after talking to the experts, I know I don't have to. I don't worry so much about running out of water anymore, but I still worry about water, maybe even more than ever. What I know now is that my water security comes at a price. Each drop of water that comes out of my tap is one less drop that exists in the river, and each drop comes with its own carbon footprint. The Colorado River Delta in Mexico was once the largest desert estuary in North America, but now it's just sad and dry. Animals that rely on its unique ecosystem are going extinct, and that makes me feel even worse than I did when I was only worrying about my city. But I also feel hopeful. We're using way less water than we used to, and we can keep getting better. Watershed Management Group has a plan to help the Santa Cruz River flow again in the next 50 years. And all I can think of is how sweet it would be to walk that block from my house and sit next to the flowing river, listening to birds and eating watermelon under the shade of the cottonwood trees. I'll be an old lady by then, but maybe one of my grandchildren will take me out for a boat ride. For City High Radio, I'm Paloma Martinez in Tucson. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. That was high school senior Paloma Martinez. She produced that story for City High Radio, a youth radio program at City High School. Jacinda Felix produced our next story about her family's multi-generational connection to the Santa Cruz River. Jacinda is also a senior at City High. Here's Jacinda. My family has lived in Tucson for five generations, and we've always lived near the Santa Cruz River. This is me walking right through the middle of the river in downtown Tucson. It's just dry sand, no water. That's me kicking some trash. There's a lot of trash in the riverbed, like soda cans, plastic bags, maybe even a shoe or a grocery cart. The river only runs when it rains really hard. Most of the year, it's just like the rest of the desert, dry. But it wasn't always that way. Uh, My mom, she remembers going there as a teenager and the river used to run so slow through there that they used to have rowboats. That's my tata. His mom was born in Tucson in the 1920s. And every weekend, they would all meet there, go horseback riding, get on the rowboats. And uh, there were so many of those uh, trees along the banks. And I mean, there were so many places to go for picnics. Hearing my thought to talk about the river like that changed the way I saw it. Before, all I saw was just a dry, empty ditch with some trees and some garbage. But after I heard his stories, when I went back to the river, it still looked the same, but in my imagination, I could see like more life and more beauty. It was like looking at an old woman and seeing for the first time how pretty she used to be. 
I wish it could have stayed that way forever. But by the time my grandparents were young and playing by the Santa Cruz River, the water wasn't running anymore. I guess that was because groundwater pumping had lowered the water table too far. I asked my Nana what the river was like when she was a kid. There was a lot of green trees and a lot of uh, green bushes and plants and even some areas where water would collect and it would, it would stay there for a long time. But mostly it was dry, like it is now. And when we had the monsoons in the summer months, sometimes we would get such a good rain that it would make the river run. And everyone would go because it was the thing to do. It was something to see water in the river. I love hearing my Nana and Tato's stories of playing in the river when they were kids. As a child, we used to pack a knapsack that my uncle had given us from when he was in the service. And we used to fill the canteen with water. And we used to hike in the river and have a little picnic. It was my backyard, my playground in the 60s. If it wasn't running, we'd go play in it. And then as we got older, we would ride our bikes in there. And that was a lot of fun, going up and down the banks and all through there. Gosh, it was like, like being in a park and in a big resort all to ourselves. Not all of my grandparents' stories about the river are so sweet. One of their favorite stories to tell is about La Llorona. The Llorona is this eerie ghost story that is tied to rivers around the southwest and Mexico, including the Santa Cruz River. The Llorona is supposed to be a very beautiful woman. She wears a white dress. The story is that her husband cheated on her, so she drowned their children, and now her soul roams along the rivers, searching for them. My Tata likes to tell us that he once saw the Orona when he and his cousin were teenagers. Me and my cousin were parked under a tree one time. We were just sitting there listening to the stereo, and uh, I looked up and, and I saw something up there, and to me it looked like a, a woman in a, in a white dress or something, and she was looking down at us. I told my cousin, I said, look, Leonard, I said, look at that up there. And he looked. And he put that truck in gear and we just took off from there. And I know what I saw. So she was up in the tree, whatever it was. Might have been a bag or something, but I saw something up there. So. Whenever it rained, my grandparents would take my mom and her siblings to the river to play. And when it was time to go, they'd tell them the story of the Llorona so everybody would get spooked and be ready to go home. I remember my mom and my aunt doing the same thing to me and my cousins. This is my aunt, Melinda. I remember every time it would rain, our parents would take us to the river 
and we'd stand along the side of it and throw rocks in there. Um, what about as a teenager? Honestly? Okay. As a teenager, we would go down to the river and we would drink and smoke and sometimes we'd have like bonfires and like party, listen to music um, and tell ghost stories. Okay. What do you do there now? Um, now, when it rains, we go to the river and me and my daughter throw rocks in the river. I tell her stories about the Yorona, tell her all the stories that my dad told me, but I don't tell her the stories about being a teenager at the river. Okay. Um, what is your most favorite memory from the river? It was after a monsoon and me and your mom and all you kids and Dee, we all went over there and and some horses were on the side and I remember we went and fed the horses Yeah, and it was just fun. I remember that day too. It felt like a perfect day. My mom and my aunt were laughing a lot. They had bags of carrots and apples, but they wouldn't tell us why. It seemed like we walked forever in the riverbed and then we saw the horses. We were so surprised and excited. Now that I'm a teenager, I don't spend much time at the river. It just doesn't feel like a place to hang out anymore. And I'm pretty sure it's illegal to have a bonfire or stay there late at night. Nowadays, we just go to the mall or have a party at somebody's house. I heard that the city has a plan to release treated wastewater into the river so that it would run all year again. Even though that wouldn't be totally natural, I still like the idea. I'd be happy to see water in the river. The trees would come back and in a way, it would bring my grandparents' stories back to life too and I'd start making my own memories there. The water would draw us all back, connecting us to the past and to each other. That was City High School senior Jacinda Felix from City High Radio, a youth radio program run by teacher Sarah Bromer at City High School in downtown Tucson. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. You can find this and all recent episodes on the 30-minute program page at kxci.org. You can learn more about City High Radio at cityhighschool.org or on the City High Radio page at prx.org.